So again, it's such a delight to see all of you. And I wanted to begin this evening to share a little bit about these teachings, the Brahma Viharas. And I think many of you know these four qualities of heart that are called the Brahma Viharas that we spend so much time cultivating this, this quality of kindness, of compassion, the quality of appreciative joy and the quality of equanimity. And, you know, when the Buddha in these early discourses speaks, at least in some places, about these Brahma Viharas, these qualities of heart, he says that when, when you're fully residing in that quality of compassion, let's say, or that quality of, of appreciative joy, that it's actually a taste of liberation, a taste of liberation of the heart. I, I know I, I mentioned this a lot, the, this uh, Pali phrase, cetto vimutti, cetto, um, similar to chitta, which can sometimes be translated as mind or heart, and vimutti, freedom. And I'd like to come back to this, this uh, statement that he makes, that this is where we get to taste liberation, because it clarifies the kind of liberation that we're exploring here. Not a liberation of doing whatever I want to do, but rather really a liberation so that my heart's able to love, to truly love, not lost in reactivity, but to fully love through kindness, through compassion, through joy, through equanimity. So for me, it's this vision of liberation, at least in one context, this context of uh, being able to wholeheartedly connect. So I can wholeheartedly connect, connect with others and to wholeheartedly connect with my, myself. And maybe that connecting sometimes is with a quiet heart filled with equanimity, or maybe over here it's with a joyous heart filled with appreciative joy, or, or it could even be a heart with the firm clarity that's filled with a fierce compassion. But what distinguishes in it is a kind of heartfulness that's filled with wisdom rather than blind reactivity. So connecting, wholeheartedly connecting. But maybe you've noticed what I have is like this mind, it, it gets in the way. Have you noticed this? Like, yeah, maybe you've had experiences like filled with compassion and kindness, but then there's the next moment where the heart's filled with something radically different than these four, four Brahma Viharas. And I, and I want to share a little bit about one of these states of mind, just because maybe like me, you can, can relate to it, because I think it's important to discuss, discuss it a little bit. And it's the uh, state of mind called ill will. The Pali word is uh, viapada or uh, viapada. And ill will, the, the way it's, you know, the, the definition can vary a little bit, uh, but often it's, it's, it's uh, defined as wishing harm on someone else, wishing that something bad would happen to someone else. So you could say it's, it's a flavor of, uh, of hatred. And I want to be clear, it's, it's not just uh, not liking, right? Because I might not like a certain person, but that's different than when my mind takes the next step of wanting or wishing that they're going to get hurt or harmed in some way. And 
And of course, there's close cousins to Viapada. There's, you know, this is really all in this realm of, of hatred, of envy, some flavors of anger that are filled with hatred, this wishing harm. And I do want to distinguish it from anger because I think anger is a complex emotion. You know, sometimes there can be an, uh, the anger of outrage that, that uh, sometimes has a skillful outrage that, that, that can be skillful for moving us onwards and moving society and communities onwards. But that's, that's a different talk. <laughs> so, Viapada. And literally, at least one, one person's understanding of the uh, etymology is via means decline, and pada is uh, path, actually, literally foot, like ped is in pedestrian. So it's being on the path of decline, <laughs> rather than something that's onward leading. And, and I think that really resonates, because when I'm, my, my heart is filled with ill will, it does, it feels contracted, I feel bound uh, in some way. It, it is not something that I find very freeing when I really slow down and honest with myself. And let me give an example of, of this a little bit, because I want to talk about a particular quality of, of ill will. It's kind of like the, the feeling, maybe you can relate to this. There's that person at work, and they just got that raise that you didn't get, or it's the person that gets all the positive attention that you don't get at work, or maybe it's the person that just annoys you so deeply. You don't like them. And then one day out of the blue, they get fired. And the mind can get filled with this secretive delight of, of the experience of that person being destroyed in some way. And there's something seductive and enticing about that delight. And it, you know, it, it can be uh, a common human experience. And there's a, the German word that, that kind of overlaps with this uh, uh, Schadenfreude, which is delighting in the misfortune of others. And, and so it's, it's really about this, this kind of subtle delight that can come up. And I think there's different dynamics around this. And I want to share just a, a few different dynamics. And, and hopefully, you know, maybe some of you can relate to this. And, and one is um, it's really situated around when we don't feel good about ourselves, like in the first example that I gave. And it's, a, it's like it's the mind's way or the heart's way of, of navigating our own lack of self-worth, our own um, lack of self-love. And, and I think what happens you know, actually, there's some really interesting studies around this, and a lot of it has to do around social status. Like some some researchers really feel that the way our minds have been conditioned from uh, from so many years of of being highly highly social creatures is that we're really sensitive to where we are in the in in our perceived hierarchy of a group or a society, and then if if there's someone that we feel like is better than us, because often because of our lack of self-worth or self-love, and then something bad hap happens to them, it's like they get knocked down to our level. 
And there can be this sense of like, oh, that feels good. Like, I like it when that happens. And of course, you know, so much of social media, especially what happens with celebrities can be this kind of secretive delight around this, around the misfortune of others. But there's a, there's an interesting, um, you could say, quality to it. And again, this comes from another study, which I was really fascinated with, where they were looking at the, the dynamic of uh, schadenfreude, which is, um, again, this delight and misfortune of others. And these researchers were proposing that when we're in the throes of that, uh, that flavor of ill will, it's like we're in this temporary state of mind that would be similar to the state of, of mind of a person with psychopathic personality traits. And in particular, what they're looking at is um, in terms of in which there's a strong tendency to dehumanize the other person. So I just want to point out, it, ill will, it's, 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 a, it's a flavor of disconnection rather than wholeheartedly connecting. It's the opposite of what I began with. This dehumanizing that happens. And from a, a, a Buddhist perspective, these flavors of ill will, it's arising out of when there's a fixed sense of self here. And in particular, for me, it's a fixed sense of self of I'm no good. And it's getting entangled with another um, quality, or you could say activity, which is uh, often called comparing mind. The Pali word is, is mana. And it's when I'm comparing myself to others. I either see myself as, it, it's sometimes translated as conceit, but it's, it's not just when I feel like I'm better than others. It's also when I feel like I'm less than others or equal to others. It's, it's any kind of dynamic where there's a comparing. How am I in, in relation to this other person? And then what happens is, right, this can be the setup for ill will. If somebody's doing better than me and I feel less than them, it feels good when they get knocked down in some way. And then there's, a, there's this fueling of ill will. Like it feels good that there's misfortune because it, 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 it levels the, the playing field in my own heart and mind because I'm continually comparing. Do you hear how this is so different than what I began with? Just to wholeheartedly connect. Often when my heart's filled with compassion or joy or kindness, it feels simpler. It's like, there it is. There's someone who's suffering and then, then compassion arises or I see the goodness of that person and I'm filled with kindness. It doesn't have like this, this kind of managing and navigating of, the complications of when my mind is is uh, always comparing to others. And there's a, another dimension to it, which I, I want to point out, is that sometimes uh, it, can, it can happen around our sense of fairness or justice. And this is the place where it probably hooks me the most. You know, it is not uncommon. I wish I, I, I wish I could share with you that it is uncommon, but often, you know, there's that politician or that ruler, you know, or that situation of that that person who has so much power, who's doing 
incredible harm. And then when there's news of something going bad for them or there's some misfortune, right? I can find how that's so compelling for my mind to delight in that. Or the wish that misfortune would, would plague them so they wouldn't be around. And I want to say that that, that is in, in some ways a bit more complex because I can also sense there is a thread of the skillful in there, which I think the thread of the skillful is, is if it were to blossom, it would be towards that person, may you be free from harming others and yourself. And that's, it might look the same, but it's really quite different. I'm wishing a freedom from, from what they're doing and wishing that for them rather than wishing harm to them. And I, I want to be clear, like letting go of ill will doesn't mean that it's letting go of the value of non-harming or putting in place the boundaries needed for safety or, or and non-harming for ourselves and our communities. Like just with the first example I began with, maybe there's somebody at work that is harmful and they get fired and there's a sense of relief. There might be something wholesome about that relief. It might be because there's more safety in that space. And maybe that was the, the, the most needed thing was a kind of fierce compassion of having a clear boundary around behaviors. And again, that relief might get confused with what I'm talking about, but ill will just takes that next step. It's like, I wanna see that other person suffer. I wanna see harm come to them. Do you hear the subtle difference of, oh, there's relief sometimes that's needed around when harm is taken care of, but it's the next step that can feel so enticing for the mind. Because it is true, there's, there's this vision that hopefully that we have that uh, to help people stop harming other people, that's onward leading. Yet ill will and, and their close cousins of envy and of, of you know, anger that's filled with hatred, it, it feels different when we wish harm. So how to, how to practice this, how to, how to have a different relationship to ill will. And one thing is, hopefully, a lot of this is going to be obvious to you. The first step is to recognize it. Can I recognize that I'm delighting in the misfortune of others or that I'm hoping that misfortune will come their way? Oh, there's that thought. There's that emotion. Oh, there it is. Because it can just be playing out. It can be habitual in some manner. So that's what I need to do. And in that recognition, if it's skillful, we could say that there are these two qualities that are gonna sound opposite. And we could even claim that they're opposite, which is there's a quality of acceptance and there's a quality of change. And I wanted to use both of these words just, just to harken back to this woman, Marsha Linehan, some of you might know Marsha Linehan. She was a developer of a, um, a therapy called Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. It was really brilliant, DBT. And she uses the word dialectical because it's 
her her approach to uh, dealing with kind of internal suffering is is that the approach is dialectical in the sense that it's the synthesis between these these two seeming contradictory dynamics this this invitation of just completely accept what's going on right now and having change we can say these are contradictions but they synthesize that allow for transformation and this i think is so needed around ill will like when it arises in my mind it's helpful to to notice this is actually what a human mind does and that's okay i can accept it this is what human minds do it's a common human emotion so that I'm not fighting the arising of that in some neurotic way. And often when there's acceptance around it, then I can start to see it more clearly. It's like the acceptance starts to build this space where I'm noticing it without fueling it as much. It's like, oh, there it is, it will. That's all it is. It's not say anything about me. It's just an arising not getting as hooked by it and as a result there's more ease and do you hear how there's there, there's already this dialectical relationship when i'm fully accepting it it's like then the system settles it can clearly see the mind state and begin to unhook from it acceptance and change it's not just acceptance and it's actually not just change with denial. These are both essential for what we're doing here. And this, you could say, are, 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 is, is the heart of our mindfulness practice, this dialectical dimension of acceptance and change. And I want to point out there is another dimension to change, which is coming back to the brahma viharas right usually on these monday evenings we take just a little bit of time usually at the end to cultivate one of these brahma viharas or one of its near neighbors near near cousins i should say and there's two i just want to point out just to show how they change uh, this dynamic of having the habit of ill will and that's compassion and joy appreciative joy so appreciative joy the third brahma vihara and, and we're, we'll do this for the guided meditation it's it's when I, I can resonate with the joy of of others and actually the other dimension is being able to resonate with my my own joy and compassion which is caring for others when they're having a hard time and hopefully you're hearing in this how this is the opposite opposite of what I was describing. It's not about dehumanizing someone. It's about humanizing them. It's feeling into their experience with wisdom. And what I find is that for me, it, it pulls me out of this self-centric way of being in the world. I get to live wholeheartedly, to wholeheartedly connect, to have that possibility, to be touched and moved by what others in a skillful way you know and this is this is what gets evoked are these brahma viharas 
and then to start to allow that to be the habit of the mind, the habit of the heart, to supplant the, the ill will. In appreciative joy, in particular, I wanted to go over this evening when we do our guided, just because um, the, they say that the, the far enemy, the opposite of appreciative joy is envy, where I feel like, oh, they've got it and I don't, and I want more of it. And there's that flavor of ill will. It's cool. And I know some of you know this feeling, that feeling of, do you know what that's like? You, you notice someone that has joy in their life. That's a wholesome joy. Doesn't it feel good to allow your heart to resonate with that and to open? It feels so much better than envy. <laughs> Hope you, hopefully you agree with me. Maybe not. You'll have to test that one out. This is what we're looking for, is really examining what frees this heart. What are the states of mind, these qualities of heart that, that free the heart? And what I notice when I've been around this is that when there is a wholehearted connecting that's happening, it's so contagious. Have you noticed this? You've been around somebody that has that wholehearted, wholeheartedness in terms of their connecting? It's contagious. And one example of this, some of you might know this teacher, Neem Karoli Baba, who was uh, the Ram Dass, uh, uh, the teacher of Ram Dass, really an incredible being. And there's, there's actually an uh, ashram, one of his ashrams in Taos, a small little ashram that was uh, dedicated to him. And uh, it's dedicated to his saying, which is one of his main sayings is to love everyone and to serve everyone. And I want to share with you uh, an experience of Neem Karoli Baba, uh, Baba uh, that was written by Larry Brilliant, one of his students, about his experience of um, Neem Karoli Baba. And in this uh, passage I'm going to read to you, the other um, name that people use for Neem Karoli Baba is uh, Maharaji which is a, a kind of a honorific uh, name. So this is what Larry Brilliant says about Neem Karoli Baba. He says, how do I explain who Maharaji was and how he did what he did? I don't have any expla explanation. Maybe it was his love of God. I can't explain who he was. I can almost begin to understand how he loved everybody. I mean, that was his job. He was a saint. Saints are supposed to love everybody. <laughs> but that's not what always staggered me. Not that he loved everybody, but that when I was sitting in front of him, I loved everybody. That was the hardest thing for me to understand, how he could so totally transform the spirit of people who were with him and bring, about, and bring out not just the best in us, but something that wasn't even in us that we didn't know. I don't think any of us were ever as good or as pure or as loving in our whole lives as we were when we were sitting in front of them. Love, wise love, it's contagious, isn't it? It pulls us into a different space. What a beautiful thing to offer. 
to undermine ill will and to trade it out, to trade it out for uh, the jewel, the, the preciousness of, of freedom, of freedom of the heart through kindness and compassion and appreciative joy and equanimity. So may our practice, may our practice fill the world with a wholehearted connectedness. Thanks for your attention.